Quiet on the set. Scene one, take ten, marker. of the Modern School of Film. Welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, The Killer at 30. I'll be with filmmaker John Wu. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you. I am the founder of the Modern School of Film with you on Murmur Radio. Social handles are Twitter, Instagram, at MSF Murmur. The website is Murmur Radio, M-U-R-M-U-R Radio, one word, dot com. <laughs> Follow the show, download the show, anytime access to the show. This is key via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get Murmur Radio. If you have a subject you would like me to match with a guest on the show, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. Lots of ways to get to us, lots of ways to listen to us. Uh, We're just glad you're with us. I'm glad you're with me. It's good to be back. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome to Murmur. Today on the show, go a little off script, blissfully, I am going on the road. (laughs) I'm on a mission. I'm on a secret mission. I am going to LA to visit John Woo, the filmmaker, the legendary, iconic filmmaker. One of his films, one of his most legendary films, it's funny, A Better Tomorrow, put him on the artistic map and the financial map. Uh, But The Killer, The Killer to me, not only changed the context it sat in, in terms of Chinese filmmaking, action filmmaking in China, but in the West, I think it capped off an 80s where we had really cool action movies. We had really cool action heroes, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Kurt Russell, but it also changed how the next generation of filmmakers, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, uh, Luc Besson, would be restylizing their action work because of The Killer. The Killer Turns 30. I don't usually do hyper-examinations of films or art on Murmur because I think it's kind of on the nose. It's on the schnoz. (laughs) But when I can get this close to a film, when I can get this close to a filmmaker, when I can get close to an artist in the creation, I'm going to do it. So The Killer at 30. 
killer was so steeped in cinephilia, original cinephilia. I know John is a huge Martin Scorsese fan, so the palette of John's is very cinema-based. He went to cinema a lot as a child. His mom would bring the kids, and I think part of that was because John's upbringing was so chaotic. We'll talk to John a little bit about that, but today we want to talk about The Killer, what changes it made, uh, what John thinks retrospectively and proactively. I know John, for many years, has been announced that John wants to remake The Killer. Different iterations, sometimes actually with an all-female cast. Nothing solid yet, but uh, we may be revisiting The Killer. But 30 years. I always tell my film students, studying film history around the decade edges, early of the decade, late of the decade, is a really great way to start film study if you feel it's cavernous. But also it represents a change, maybe inadvertently, maybe specifically. The Killer, to me, married the beauty of the form to the guts of the form, and I don't mean literal guts of the form, I mean the things that keep us watching great performances, drama, tension, expectation, love in many forms, (laughs) friendship love, romantic love, honor, loyalty. It's really some of the same things that the greatest films that we know immediately have played upon. Shakespeare played upon these things. (laughs) So these are not new conceits, but I think to package it in a movie that had such activity to it, such vibration, to it, such outward expression to it. Doves and slow motion and cool jackets and sunglasses and and two guns, the two guns. John ushered in the two guns. And action has never been the same, but I think cinema art had never been the same. And a lot of the young auteurs that we know now as household action purveyors were watching. And Scorsese was watching. I know Martin is a big fan of the film. The film premiered at Sundance here in the States. I think it also was at Toronto. It did well. It did well financially. I think exceeded everyone's expectations. And to me, really crossed over John into this country more so than his other films, more so than Hard Boiled, more so than A Better Tomorrow. John actually lives in Hollywood. And I think he splits time between Hollywood and China. I think family is still in China. But Hollywood has been his home since he started in the action trade in American films with Broke. Broken Arrow, John Travolta, and Christian Slater. He's also done other action films. Another thing about The Killer, which I don't think we think about as much, we think of big action set pieces often. Uh, The cast is really amazing, A, but also really small. Uh, Danny Lee, who was a renowned Chinese actor at the time. Sally Yeh, who does some incredible acting and singing in the film. There's music in the film, which, you know, to me, harkens back to Rio Bravo, say. Uh, I know John loves Westerns. I want to talk to John about Westerns today as well, sneak that in. But it also launched in the U.S. culture, at least a U.S. acting culture, art culture, film culture, Chow Yun-Fat. They had worked together previously. I know Chow Yun was... Uh, not doing well at the box office. He was not a huge box office draw in China until he started working with John. And then he sort of blasted off into multiple stratospheres of film culture and fan culture and celebrity culture, quite frankly. Sue Hark produced the film. Sue also has directed great action films of his own accord. So there's a lot to pick upon. And I know there was some push-pulling between John and Sue getting into The Killer. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that. It's not my want, but we'll talk a little bit about that because it does affect what became of The Killer because I think for The Killer, John was pretty much on his own in an overall sense. Obviously, he loves collaboration. I know people love working with him on the set. He's great on the set, but in terms of the upper tier of support, John was on his own, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing for The Killer, and we are grateful. The Killer is a film I revisit. I know Criterion did a version of The Killer that's 
out of print, been out of print. It's it's an elusive title to get. It's an elusive title to screen. I don't think it screens enough. I'm not going to show you clips from it from its 30th year because it's in Chinese, uh, but I'm on a mission. <laughs> I'm going to John's office. Sinelli, I'm going to sit with John. Um, I've been warned a little bit that he gestures a lot and he, he may hit the table. So if you hear ancillary table strikes, uh, I'm not going to scrub them out because uh, that's John. John is a filmmaker. John is a picture maker. He thinks in pictures um, and I think he thinks wordlessly. A lack of words to me are a signature of John's symbolism, whether it's operatic, whether it's frankly religious. John says a lot of things through images, so it'll be my honor to chat with him. He doesn't do these a lot, and I don't think he's held forth as directly on the 30th anniversary of the killer. So wish me luck. I'm going in. <laughs> I'm going in with a couple of microphones, and I have audience with uh, John Wu uh, on the anniversary of the killer to discuss the killer then, now, and maybe what's to come. I'm really excited. I'm not always excited going to LA. It's girthier it's thicker, it's louder, it's noisier. LA's changed, but I'm guessing John found an oasis for his office, <laughs> a Better Tomorrow office. What a cool name for a production company. It wasn't always a Better Tomorrow Films, but when I think of John, there's no better title for a production company because I think John's an optimist. Yes, in The Killer, John is still an optimist. Watch The Killer again and remember, John is an optimist. So I'll see you on the other side of this. John Wu live on Murmur. Actually, I'm live to him. I don't know how that works. I'm going in. <laughs> I got my stuff. <laughs> John Wu, the killer turns 30 today on Murmur. Now this. Hi, I'm Sydney. I'm a personal trainer and Miss Orange County finalist, and this And that there is, is a Tech Nine, nine little cheap-ass spray gun made out of South Miami. They retail for 380 I get them for two, sell them for eight. They advertise this Tech Nine as the most popular gun in American crime. Can you believe that shit? It actually says that in the little booklet that comes with it. The most popular gun in American crime. Like they proud of that shit. I love my Tech Nine. <laughs> run this up. Oh, now check out this gun here. Now this here is a Steyr Aug. Steyr Aug's a bad motherfucker. Listen. Woo! It's, it's expensive too, man. Made in Austria. Now my customers don't know shit about it, so there ain't no demand for it. Now, baby, I really could use me some more ice. Hold up, hold up, hold up. But let me tell you though, man. You put this bad boy in a flick, Every motherfucker out there won't mind. I'm serious as a heart attack. When them Hong Kong flicks came out, every nigga in the world had to have a 45. And they ain't want one. They want two. Because all them niggas want to be the killer. But what them flicks don't tell you and what they don't know is that a 45 got a serious fucking jamming problem. Now, I try to steal my customers taller than nine millimeter because it's damn near the same weapon. It ain't got half the jamming problems. But you know how them niggas is out there. You can't tell them shit. They want a 45. The killer had a 45. They want a 45. Thanks, baby. Mm -hmm.
I'm literally sitting here with you, which is like a dream to me, and also uh, seeing posters around the room, seeing some of your heroes. But I'm here on a special occasion. Um, one of your movies is celebrating a birthday this year. Um, <laughs> uh, 1989, that The Killer came out. Have you reflected at all on that this year? Have, do you think about films in terms of time and memory and anniversary and birthday? Have you thought of The Killer turning 30 this year? I don't have uh, particular uh, thought about that, you know, I, uh, but I'm proud of that movie. i always thinking about it, and uh, I must say uh, it was one of the, the most important films in my life. And also there's, there's a lot of memory, good memory from that film. Um, I love the movie. And I'm so glad that there are so many people love it uh, uh, as well. You know, it's, uh, I'm I'm really grateful. I agree with so many people who are so much concerned about the film. You know, those people are grateful to you. You're very humble about it, and you've made many great movies, Hard Boiled and the Better Tomorrow series, and others. But cinema lovers think of the killer very uniquely. Why do you think? People who love movies think of the killer so uniquely. I was really surprised when I found uh, so many people from the West love it. And, uh, you know, in Hong Kong, uh, as a director, you know, never have uh, fans or something like that, you know. That. So when I came over to the United States, uh, the, the first time when I, when I came over Virgin, the, the record company, you know, when I went there, I guess they had a long line of uh, people that long line of friends that they, uh, they have been waiting for three to six hours. There was a autographed, uh, you know, section of the friends. I was like, what friend? I never have a friend, you know, <laughs> said something like that. You know, I was so moved, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to do. It was the first time I got friends. <laughs> so I got a, and I signed them all, and and I, and I got tears, you know. So yeah. we only got the, uh, you know, the uh, very limit of the market, uh, you know, overseas. Uh, our film was only showing in the Chinatown theater, something like that. So uh, I'm uh, so this is why I'm I'm grateful. It was at Sundance, nineteen eighty nine, too. Correct? Was the yeah, 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 the first Sundance. Yeah. What was interesting? I was thinking as you were talking about uh, nineteen eighty nine. A lot of people think of Sundance, nineteen eighty nine, as a special year as well. Sex Lies and Videotape, the American film, the Steven Soderbergh film, was there, and it was sold for a huge amount of money. So, in a way, not to combine the two, but the timing of the killer, in addition to it being one of the great films was wonderful as well. I mean, abroad. We'll talk more about the timing in China, which was a little more sensitive, I think. Do you remember those moments in Sundance when the film was shown? Do you remember the audiences? And it was shown at Toronto as well. Do you remember? Do you remember sitting in the audience watching The Killer? Did you watch it? They were so exciting and screaming, you know, you know all the time. And, uh, and they were so warm. And uh, at that time, I met a choir a lot of young filmmakers, they're talking to how much they love the film, and uh, also they have got some uh, influence from my film, you know. I, oh, I, all of a sudden, I was frightened. You know? I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I, uh, 
couldn't say anything. And then the, uh, there was uh, four directors and got together with a speech. And the topic was about the violence in film. Oh. And then uh, so when people were asking something, you know, when I, 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 I didn't know how to get the answer, you know. So when I'm just trying to say something and uh, the other director help, they were helping me, <laughs> John, don't answer that. There's no need to wait. It's not necessary to answer that. Your film uh, told everything, you know. When the film came here for Park City, who was here? Was Tiu Hark here? Did the cast of The Killer come as well? Me, myself, and uh, my partner, uh, Terrence Chang. Terrence Chang. Uh, and uh, my agent. Your agent. A lot of agents around. Uh, I've noticed. And, uh, <laughs> and the main people uh, from the studios, you know, they, they all so much interest on me uh, to work with me so uh, I would really appreciate that in the east in, in Asian film culture are anniversaries important uh, you know now we're always talking about oh this movie came out 30 years ago and Apocalypse Now came out 40 years ago and so anniversaries are important it seems now because they're good for marketing in Asian film cultures do people talk about the anniversaries of movies do they celebrate movies in the same way? Not much, you know, just uh, by uh, the very first against the movie, April Tomorrow, had uh, that kind of uh, activity and, uh, and, and nothing else. But for the killer, um, I must say that I'm so proud of the film. It, it wasn't easy to make the film it, and, and hard to forget it, you know. <laughs> there was the very first film, I, I've got the complete creative freedom. I even shot the film without a script. Wow. I only saw the film with a very simple uh, storyline, with a simple uh, dialogue. Yeah. Just uh, because I felt myself as a long ranger, you know, I, I was completely alone. You know, nobody could uh, understood the, uh, what I'm trying to shoot, and no one know what the story is about. Yeah. So, and the whole movie was all given in my mind. Wow. And I was, I had a hard time to explain to the crew or even to the actor uh, what the movie is about. And then when the producers and, and the production team, you know, when they asked me, John, uh, how, uh, what is the movie? What, what, what kind of movie is it? I said, it's more like a French film. So just give me everything like a French film, <laughs> you know, so. What is a French film? You know, because, uh, and uh, the, the people were so young, they haven't seen any uh, early French film. Jean-Pierre Merville, I'm looking at your office now, Le Cercle Rouge, they probably had no reference of those movies. Did they know Alain Delon? They know, they know. They, they knew. Know. But the time has changed, you know. Yeah, changed. yeah. And then the, they, the, so when I brought them to uh, to watch, uh, you know, uh, Jean-Pierre Melville's uh, The Red Circle. Red Circle. The style is going to be like, I want it to be in my film. The character, the character. Oh, okay, yeah, Mr. Wu. Oh. And they all fell asleep. It put them so, to sleep. And then uh, <laughs> when... Uh, um, and the actors, you know, like Chow Yun-Fat and Danny Lee, you know, they were, they thought I was making a Pillar Tomorrow Part 3. Really? And uh, no, I said, no, 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 it's a different movie. Just like Alan DeLong and Sean Fiam Melville's and even uh, Ken Takakura, you know, the Japanese famous star. You know? And then when I talked to the uh, my DP, you know, I said, I, uh, the whole movie put it much like a, uh, the mixture of Sean Fiam Melville's and... Uh, uh, Francois Truffaut and a little bit of Fellini 
and uh, Scorsese, Scorsese as yes. a one uh, some emotional moments. So I would like to use the uh, uh, slight slow motion, you know, like yeah. Scorsese did in Texas Driver or Main Street. And the action is jump back and forth, you know. And jump shit, you know. So, oh, oh, but 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 they still uh, couldn't get it. <laughs> and then uh, when I talked to the production team, okay, I want uh, a French house. I said, what's a French house? He said, give me the French house. <laughs> it, it could be, I need a tall, long window, you know. And then, how could we find a French house in Hong Kong? <laughs> yeah. Hong Kong how so did you find a French house in Hong Kong? <laughs> so I said, I said, just give me the old house, got a tall window, because uh, uh, the camera going to put the outside of the window and, and I'm, the camera going to be moving from left to right, uh, cross-cutting the killer and the cops. We find an uh, a old uh, Western-style house in the middle of town. And then we saw the huge gun battle scene in the middle of night. The middle. The middle. When the killer betrayed by his old... Uh, partner, yes. Partner. So, uh, and he was uh, ambushed by so many gunmen. So I rise and shoot at the same time on the set. Uh, even the action scene, you know, and uh, every, every action uh, sequence, I just told the uh, producer, okay, uh, for this uh, setup, I need 30 stuntmen uh, for three days, 120 extra uh, in uh, five days. Every day, the, uh, we need guns and powder, and uh, we were using the real props gun, you know, from England. And it was very loud, and it shocked the, the, the whole neighbor uh, wow. uh, and the police station and the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about? I don't know. <laughs> uh, wait until I got on the set. Did you storyboard? I mean, you created very spontaneously. Did, were you able to draw images? No. Nothing. I never draw. Never draw. Since I know the camera. I know all the lens. I know uh, the good use of the lens. Wow. So uh, I have the whole picture in my mind. Even though I have never learned martial arts, but I do know all the action sequence. Well, all your Shaw Brothers training paid yes, off. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I must say, you know, I, I have a good teacher. And not to sound funny, but watching The Killer again, I was thinking about the ballet, you know, the choreography. You wanted to be a dancer at some point, yes. didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. Do you feel that training with the Shaw Brothers maybe and, and as a lover of Wizard of Oz, but as a lover of dance. Do you think that was in your mind somewhere as you were thinking about the choreography of the film? I'm a big fan of a musical. You know, I uh, I always wanted to make a musical. I know. When I'm designing an action sequence, I feel like uh, I'm making a dancing scenes. Nobody could uh, believe uh, I could make a good musical. So I've never got a chance, you know, got a, or even got a script. We still have time. <laughs> I think it was a silly dream for me. I really uh, like, you know, the West Side Story. <laughs> Incredible. The camera work and everything, uh, the, uh, the great rhythm and the, and the life of the actors, you know, they, they, yeah. they, so, so, they gave me so much good in, inspiration. I watch every year. That's the film that made me want to watch more films as a child. Yeah. And now Spielberg is making one. Did you know that? Oh, I'm, I'm eager to, 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 uh, to see it. You know, I, I'm so curious how he make it. Mr. Spielberg can do everything. You know, I, he's a quick talent. Well, uh, I'm going to say this as if you're not here, but you can do anything. And I still, I'm waiting for your musical and I'm waiting for your Western. Oh, the Western. Oh, you got to do a Western 
Mr. Wu. You were born to do a, a traditional classic Western, no? I mentioned it every year. I mentioned <laughs> it to my agents, to my lawyer, to, uh, to the postman, <laughs> uh, studio people. You know, I really, really wanted to make it Western. Uh, of course, my one of my favorite actions was The Wild Bunch. You know, I am uh, so much crazy about Sam Peckinpah, you know, film, you know. Uh, but I also like uh, Howard Hawks. One of my favorite uh, Howard Hawks films was uh, Real Bravo yeah. characters. It had a very good um, action sequence and also have a very charming character. And the music is lovely. It's, it's quite innocent. It's almost like a musical as well. The music was big feel joy. Yeah. They also using two guns, you know. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because Tarantino talks about Rio Bravo a lot. He also talks about the killer a lot. So it's interesting. You can see some of the, the, the DNA. And there's that great sequence in Jackie Brown where he talks about the killer. You know that scene? Uh, uh, it's Samuel Jackson talking to Robert De Niro about selling guns. He said, everyone wants two guns now. Everyone wants to be the killer. Um, and that, and that's thanks to you. Uh, you know, I was also w- watching The Killer again, thinking about Mean Streets, because when The Killer, to me, when it came out, yes, there were the guns and all the other things, but no one had moved the camera that way. I think one of the great changes that you brought in before Steadicam came and ruined everything for everybody, you really moved the camera like ice skating. And a lot of directors after The Killer were using moving cameras. Do you, do you think that is true? Do you think The Killer influenced the moving camera or, or brought it back to life or gave it a new dimension? Yeah, I, they, 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 maybe we all learning from each other. Sure. Actually, uh, The Killer also was a tribute to Martin Scorsese. Mr. Scorsese has seen The Killer. Uh, and I also heard uh, he loved it. When I came to the stage, well, and then I had a chance to meet uh, to meet him, to meet him. He was so excited, you know. And then, uh, uh, and I also I was extremely excited as well because he was my idol. Uh, he, he's my idol still, you know, always. Uh, I was so 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 excited and so uh, happy, you know. So to meet the the the, the giant the idol, you know. And then when I told him the uh, the killer actually was uh, was a tribute uh, to him. And uh, and the main street, uh, he was uh, quite uh, surprised, you know. So I said, oh, I learned so much from you. Uh, have you noticed that there's uh, uh, some little slow motion? It's all from your film, you know. Ah, he was happy. <laughs> Literally here with John Wu, which is again like a dream. Um, I do want to talk about the Shaw Brothers a little bit because that was part of your early training. As you said, there were no film schools in Hong Kong when you no. were coming up, and you had knew a lot of the great films early on. Maybe thanks to your mother, but talk a little bit about the apprenticing with the Shaw Brothers. What did you learn during that time? It probably wasn't very glamorous. I mean, you were doing some hard work, but what was it like? 
you know, people who love movies think of the Shaw Brothers so like gold. What uh, was it like during that time? Was it special or was it hard work or a little bit of both? Before uh, I worked for uh, Shaw Brothers, there was a group uh, uh, in Hong Kong, you know, the, 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 like a, uh, that's what we call the... Uh, uh, like a student club? like A, a student club. Like yeah. a cinema club. Uh, all, the, all of my friends, they all they have a deep knowledge about film. You know, they introduce... Uh, the French New Wave and then uh, all kind of art yeah, film yeah. In, uh, to, uh, to us. And uh, we will learn the film theory uh, from the film uh, critic. You know, that, uh, Pauline Kale and yeah, some of the yeah. great Western yeah. critics. Yeah. Well, film criticism was a big part of literature, yes. At the time, the, film, the people in the uh, business, they call us the intellectual film crazy or something like that. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, intellectual film nuts, you know. Right, and right. Uh, we are not welcome uh, for the business. Because uh, in the old time, if you if you don't have any relationship uh, with any of them, you could never get a job uh, in the business. In the in the Chinese film yeah, industry, yeah. you and, had to know somebody. Yeah, you yeah. had to know somebody. They all hate us. Why did they hate you? Because uh, we all we always uh, criticize the Hong Kong film. Uh, that, that, uh, only a uh, couple of uh, great masters like uh, Chang Chet, King Hu, uh, and uh, Long Kong uh, had. Uh, made a lot of great film. The other words were so bad, you know, so, <laughs> it's really bad. Copying uh, the Japanese film and uh, the Hollywood film, and you know, they all they all copycat, and uh, they were lazy, you know, so. so. Can, let me interrupt, pardon me, Mr. Wu, but this sounds so much like the French New Wave. Yeah. Henri Lenoir. Yes. And the Nouvelle Vague, who were film critics. Yes, yes. They yes. hated French film. <laughs> they, they did. They called Truffaut the grave digger of cinema because he used to say how much he hated well-made French films. Do you think some of that was being created for you? Did you want to make a change? I think that we also had a similar passion about film. Yes. Uh, I, uh, uh, at, at that time, there, there was a glorious time for the Soul Brothers. And also, uh, it, it was a place for a dream, ma- uh, dream maker. They shot many kind of movies. Uh, the martial art film, the the opera, the, making uh, wuxia films. They are the creator. They're really the the the, yeah. the, the fathers, the, the yeah. parents of wuxia. When people saw the Shaw Brothers films, did they take them seriously, or were they entertaining? Because sometimes in America we look at I don't, but a lot of people look at Shaw Brothers and think, oh, that's something you would watch on a Saturday when you didn't want to see something serious. Were they taken serious as 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 producers, as people making movies? Were those serious movies in China? I think they take them to the, uh, very seriously and entertaining. You know, both. You know, I, that's uh, the Shaw Brother. Would, would make uh, the serious uh, production, you know, they everything is so serious. You could feel that. They put uh, a lot of passion in their yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the de- there's a lot of detail in those films, yeah. But in the meantime, the, the, they know how to do business. They make the movie uh, for the audience. And by the meantime, they also had released some of the art film, the, uh, the foreign art film, just for one or two uh, theater do something good you know they you know just like hollywood working there with the shaw brothers did that make you want to make those kind of movies you know your debut the young dragons which was the english title that was a martial arts film you also did the dragon tamers after that you did hand of death with the young jackie chan who is in that film did you want to do those movies or did you feel like this is where the business is no, not at all. You know, when I when I <laughs> you wanted to do a musical, <laughs> I already wanted to make a movie like Learn Samurai. 
But in the meantime, nobody would listen to me. When I got my first chance to direct a movie, I was so alone, you know. I work alone. And uh, my team, very uh, poor and uh, simple team, and they all, they were so old, they were old-fashioned. And they, we only can get a, a very simple Aerofax, you know, camera with no sounds, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was, you had to sing and, uh, sound, yeah. Yeah, I had to sing sound. And the studio haven't changed uh, much, you know, the, even though the studio had worked with so many times with uh, Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee's movies, the system system had never changed. So it was hard, and no one would listen to me, and, and they thought I was crazy. No one will watch that kind of boring, rubbish, you know, movie. And uh, at that time, uh, the popular movie was The Fist and the Pillow. Fist and the Pillow? The Fist and the Pillow. Why did they call it Fist and the Pillow? The Fist means a kung fu film, uh, the, uh, the action film. Right. The Pillow is, uh, you know, the, the pornograph, you know, the sexual movie. Uh, only two kind of movie uh, <laughs> could make. Right. So I just uh, took my time, you know, I just, you know, all right, okay, I, I do whatever you ask, you know, to, I, I just survive because I, I was extremely poor. And I, I also need uh, time to, to train myself. And then after that, uh, the comedy was to become a popular trend. So uh, I also need to follow uh, to make the comedy. And for 10 years, so nobody can trust me. I can make uh, the movie like Le Samurai mm. or, um, you know, uh, The Wine Punch or, or Mean Streets, you know. No one listened to me. They were obviously wrong. <laughs> Until I met Choi uh, Hak. So when we became a, a very good friend, uh, we understood each other, and we had to uh, swear to the sky, you know, when we uh, look at the uh, the harbor of Hong Kong, and uh, we had to swear to, uh, to make Hong Kong movie look great, to make a better Hong Kong movie. That's a wonderful scene. I, I want to, we're in the middle of our talk here. I want to talk, we'll get back to Chiu Hark and the killer. But, you know, one thing coming from the uh, United States, a Western point of view, when I think of China filmmaking, I always think about the script because a lot of times one of the reputations of making a film in China or releasing a film in China, they like to cut things out that don't represent things the way they want them represented. Now, my question is this, you know, when I, if I watch a, a karate film, sometimes I think, why, what would the Chinese government think of a karate film? Isn't that, even your films, have your films been struggles to get released? You know, Wong Kar Wai talks about this. When he makes a movie, he gives a script for the government that isn't even a f script they're gonna shoot because he's worried about the Chinese government saying no. What does the Chinese government and their culture want to see in their movies? Was the killer hard to get approved by the government? Did you need any government approval to make your movie in China? Two things we have to say. Like, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to be critical. I just no, find no, it no, fascinating. Because, no, no. you know, Ang Lee, I had, sorry to interrupt, but I had Ang, and we were talking about Lust Caution. He couldn't show Lust Caution in China. They wanted to cut, cut, cut. <laughs> so, but I find that a paradox because a lot of the great Chinese movies are your movies, are the Shaw Brothers, and those are rough movies. Why would the government be okay with those movies and not some other movies, per se? All of my Hong Kong film was made in Hong Kong. Uh, in Hong Kong, there was no censorship uh, uh, for the script. So we, we could shoot whatever we want. But uh, they they do have the uh, they only have the uh, 
the censor of the of the complete film. There's still so much concern about the the over violent, you know, uh, uh, sexual uh, sex. Too thing. much sexual content. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and political involved is the thing. Uh, political uh, statements. Yeah, yes. yeah. The political statement. Uh, that that's the little concern about it. So, uh, so, but we have never touched. We have never touched a, a political thing in a, in a film. But but your films, and and I mean this as a fan, they're very. Graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a producer or anyone from say you need to tone it down? This is too much. No, did, no. That's amazing. No, never. I never got any uh, problem with it. I never got advice. Uh, good, good. Advice or something or or, or anything. Uh, to, no uh, warning. To no, 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 no. Good, warning. excellent. And then, <laughs> that's uh, good news. <laughs> um, after that, when I make a film in China, up to 1997, you know, these. They see our film is a is it's entertaining it's entertaining movies so it's it's no harm. Were they proud of the killer? Actually, they treat me pretty well because my film is is is, is nothing about the politics, and they love my work. You know, they uh, they know how how I work. Before 1989, uh, before the country was uh, open, you know, they uh, the Hong Kong movie was forbidden uh, to show in China. Why? No, because uh, the the um, about their law or something like that. You know, I, young people only could watch our film in underground. Oh wow! It's, it's like uh, uh, I didn't know how they how they could get it their visual tape uh, to watch. <laughs> they got it. Anyway, but now it's totally open. In this uh, ten years, during the last ten years, now we release my film. All my film uh, in the theater, also in the uh, school and uh, uh, film uh, cultural museum, something like that. It's it's very very open right now. John Wu graciously giving us a lot of time today. You know, we've talked about some of the American filmmakers and international filmmakers that have influenced. You know, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Luc Besson. You know, so many, and on and on. I I was wondering though about the. Chinese filmmakers, you know, Stephen Chow, who you know, who you've directed, uh, Zhang Yimo, uh, Wang Karwai, Johnny To. Have they ever talked to you about the killer? You know, what, what was it like with your colleagues? Were they proud of what the killer had done? Do you think that the I think the killer influenced them, but do you think, did you hear from them about the killer? They only said one thing to me. They said, it's very funny. It says, uh, uh, the movie was a success and also got so much popular in the West because it got a gay issue. I said, oh, no, 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 don't please do it. You know what I said? No, 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 it wasn't like that. It was all about friendship. I'm not against it. I said, you know, the movie is just like a painting, you know. I just paint whatever I want. And then also after I finished the the movie does not belong to me anymore, and it, 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 that's all for the audience. They see what they see, they feel what they feel. You know, there's a. I think they they, they mistaken about the West, the, the people in the West. You know. What do you think in the West? So many musicians have loved the film, the RZA from Wu Tang Clan, who you know, you uh, know yeah, yeah, yeah. and you worked together with Supreme. They did a whole line of clothing based on the killer iconography, and also the Beastie Boys talk about you in their song "Sure Shot." Um, <laughs> why do you think? You know, when I think of movies that influenced, let's say, hip hop, I think of Scarface, maybe, and I think of the Killer. Why do you think the Killer influenced so many musicians as well? I also have heard uh, there's a there's a band in Australia. They name uh, after me. They called you a John Wu band. Wow. I was so shocked. 
<laughs> uh, I was so wrong. It was hard to believe it. I, it was so uh, it flattered, really flattered to me. I don't know, maybe my, my kind of movie had a, a, a different rhythm, a different life, a different energy, you know. So especially uh, all the action, pretty much like a, a music, like a music score. But if you turn the sound off, the movie is no less amazing. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't advocate this because the music in The Killer is beautiful and the singing. Scorsese, you're an admirer of his. I know he's an admirer of yours. He thinks that's the way to show if a great movie is great. Turn the sound off. Oh, yes. Walter Murch, the great Hollywood editor, when he edits it, he just takes the sound out first. So in a way, I think the musicality of the film has nothing to do with the sound of the film, it's all in the gesture. Before we wrap up about The Killer, I was thinking about Sue Hark, and you know, obviously he was a friend and with you during The Better Tomorrow. Were you and Sue Hark okay? Were you getting along okay? Was there bad blood at all? We had some problem. We did have some problem while, while we were making uh, The Killer. After we worked together in Better Tomorrow 2, we have found, uh, we have so, so much of a creative difference. But by the meantime, uh, we uh, we still are friends. We still appreciate each other. Right. Even though we have fight and and have quarrel was sometimes for, for something, but whenever we got into the set, going back into the movie, and then, okay, uh, oh John, how about this? You, I know how you feel. I know when you when you think about that betrayal because you so 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 believe in in friends. What what if? The killer got betrayed by his old friend. What does he do? What does he do? We have argued about so many things, and then uh, I think we uh, better separate for a while. So, 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 so that's why uh, most of the time he leave me alone to make the, my own film, The Killer. Maybe that's for the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple more thoughts. We're here graciously in John Woo's office uh, in California. We were talking about Chow Yun Fat before. He wasn't doing very well professionally until he did a better tomorrow. Did you talk about doing more projects together? Did you have to convince him to do the killer? Did he trust you? Did For the beginning, uh, I didn't uh, consider using Chow Yun Fat because he was so popular. And he got two or three movies at the same time. So uh, he uh, didn't have time for me. He didn't have time for you? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. the reason why he became so popular. Oh, well, it's things are different. When, when I, I, I was thinking of using the new actors. But the investor and the studio, they didn't let me to shoot it uh, unless I used the Jovian Fat. He must have been you the know, biggest that, star in China at that time. Yeah, the biggest and, and the finest, you know. And then the, when I, I was so upset because, you know, I, the, and I couldn't get the movie for a year. I was just hanging around and waiting and, and doing nothing because all my mind was the, 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 the killer and I couldn't do anything else. So one day when Jovian Fat uh, meet me and then they said, John, what are you doing? I said, I got no film unless uh, I can, uh, you know, help you to play the role, and uh, or else, uh, you know, they won't give me any money to to, to shoot the film. He said that that's ridiculous. He, okay, I do it for a friend, you know. Wow. That's how I got him, you know. I said okay, oh. and fortunately, uh, also got Danny Lee, you know, that one of the fine actors in Hong Kong, you know. So I was thrilled. I was so happy at that time. But either Joe and Fat or Danny Lee, they also. 
didn't got a clue what the movie is about. And they thought uh, I was making a prequel or a sequel of the April of Tomorrow. You started out in production, so you can understand that when the director doesn't have a script, that can be hard, you know, even if you can describe it well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you had very little time to do it, correct? You had to shoot very quickly. I was reading th- the last sequence took over 30 days to shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. You're a patient man. And uh, Rube, uh, 20 hours a day. 20 hours a day. Sometimes over. Little more. Akira Kurosawa, when he was making Dirsu Uzala. Dirsu Uzala was a film Kurosawa made late in his career in Russia. The whole yeah, crew was yeah, Russian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And he, he said he used to cry himself to sleep every night. What was it like making that movie with these images in your head? Bullets flying, blood, you know, betrayal. Did you have that in your head as well? I mean, is Yes, it, yes. How was that? Was that hard to deal with? Forget filmmaking, as a human being making that movie. I think it's pretty natural because I, I, I live in the movies. When I making a movie about a killer, then I became the killer. And, and I walk and think and work like a killer. When I come home, you know, I still feel myself as a killer. Now, sometimes uh, I work like a crazy man, but sometimes uh, I can uh, do the balance. A good husband you know, and a good father. You know, I would love to take some time to cook for the family. I think my brain is faster than my mouth and my hand. Were you living alone at the time? Were you? Yes, I was alone. What were your dreams like? No, I only dream of movies. Did you have nightmares? I've never had any nightmare. But you're making a movie that is a nightmare in a way. <laughs> it's an adult nightmare. I already watched the movie uh, in my mind. Seems like uh, I'm working with gods, you know, uh, with angels, you know, so I, uh, I feel safe. I want to end with the legacy of the film, but I was also thinking, you know, you're a man of peace, too. Yeah. Your personal history is amazing. Your namesake is actually John the Baptist. John Wu is after John the Baptist. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were going to be a minister, a Lutheran minister at some point. Yeah, yeah. And Scorsese was going to be a priest at some point. <laughs> As a young man, he was actually studying to be a priest. Um, and you were saying that your your friends thought you weren't patient enough to learn the Bible. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, what the people, uh, what my friends said to me, you know, so I was too, too artistic. Too artistic. Yeah, they suggest me, you know, I better go for art. There's also the side of your childhood that is very rough. There was that fire in your house and you were living on the streets with your, your family. Yeah, but no, it's fine. And, and Hong Kong streets were, were rough at that time. Yeah. There are two parts of you, man of peace and also this man who has seen a lot of upheaval and turmoil. Is that why the killer is so, it's not just an action movie, it's a romance, it's a friendship. Do you feel those halves are important to you because that's how you are? You're somewhere in the middle of peace, correct? I've been living with the good and evil when I was a child. You know, so that's why I had known these two different worlds pretty well. They also have some good guys from the uh, bad world. Uh, there are also some, some bad people from the good world, you know. So are, are you still a man of faith? I have a good faith. I believe in there, there are always uh, some uh, good people. There are always good hope in the world. So How can you be in Hollywood? <laughs> no, I have no space in my heart, you know. As uh, they're, they're always in my heart, you know. So as uh, I also have a good faith in, in uh, people. I believe in people more than God. 
the world still have a lot of hope, still have a lot of things we can trust, you know, even though they're still messy now. We're going to close on the legacy and then we'll let you go. One of the things that I think the killer did is it instilled a kind of hope and a beauty, beauty amidst all the blood shed. And in China, 1989, as you know, Tiananmen Square was happening. Do you think there's a relationship between, you know, what you were thinking and you were going through culturally and the film? Or the and actually, I saw the film before that uh, Tiananmen Square thing happened. And also, it, it was completely a film. It was a film to tribute uh, to all the movie I love, to all the movie, uh, to all the filmmakers I respect and I uh, admire. It was a uh, a movie fan tribute to all the great filmmakers uh, in the earliest time. The last question, which is the most obvious question, Mr. Wu, it seems like you want to go back to the killer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you You said you're a man of faith. Maybe some things don't happen for a reason. Why do you want to go back? To the killer. The original killer was a triangle love story. The two men uh, was uh, in love with the same woman, but I couldn't make it that way because you know the the leading actress was just give me so little time to shoot the film. So uh, I just want to complete the story. It's about the love of the killer. It's about you know, the, the, the another side of the love story. Do you have any fear that if you go back to the killer? It will be more heartbreaking than inspiring. Yeah, yeah, you can say that because the, the movie nowadays is, is mo- most of the movie is, is not uh, worth to watch. The movie has changed, has changed so much. You know, there's the seems to be all the movie have the same kind of same tone. You know, they uh, there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of explanation, a lot of uh, you know just talk, 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 talk. You know, there's the or uh, or else uh, there's a lot of big uh, visual. Uh, Effect or special uh, CG, you know. Now it's hard to you know focus to watch a film because it's so noisy, <laughs> so noisy. So that's why I miss uh, the you know the the time making uh, the killer. You know, it's uh, a movie can give you a lot of thinking, and a lot of time to think. I remember one of the critics said uh, they they, they uh, when they watch the killer, why why they like the killer so much? You know, so, so even though they didn't. Uh, understand the, the 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 language, you know. The the uh, but there no problem, you know. When the when they watch the actors, you know, they, when they when they cry, they cry. When they they got tears. When they laugh, they laugh. When there's a uh, excitement, uh, they all cheer. They could feel with the movies. The other funny thing was that you know when the before I shot the uh, the Broken Arrow, uh, I was trying to cast. Uh, John Travolta, you know, to, to, but John had uh, never uh, seen my any of my movies. He didn't know much of me, you know, myself, you know. So, and then uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, uh, tried to, to help, some help, you know. So uh, Quentin, Quentin had uh, brought a copy. He 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 opened a copy of The Killer, and uh, and wanted to show John, but the copy had no subtitles. So this is all <laughs> just a film and the song and the film, and then the, why why he showed the film to John, and then he speak all the dialogue to John. Wow! And he re- 
remember every line, the, uh, the, every word, and then he translated to John Travolta. Wow. After John, after the watch the film, he totally understand and he will, and he loved the movie by uh, silence. And then, so that's why he signed off to do, to do Broken Arrow, uh, with me. So the, I think that's the, that's the, uh, the charm of the killer. But I didn't intend to make it that way, but it happened that way. I, I, I just, uh, make the film my heart, you know. You're very modest, and, and I'll just say in closing, the other thing I tell my students is movies don't lie. People can lie, you know, as you know, but movies don't lie. And when I think of your movies, I think of movies that show an incredible, despite everything, a you preserve a decency. There's a, there's a decency that connects us all. Only the greatest filmmakers can preserve that intent because we live in a day now where that's easy to not believe. I've always believed that from your movies, that people are good people no matter what their jobs are. That is why you're one of the great craftsperson of moving images. Thank you. <laughs> because you can't fake that. And you know that you could see a movie where it's I'm supposed to feel a certain way, but I I don't I don't believe it. I've always believed everything your movies have been trying to tell me, and it's because of you, because of the way you do it. So I want to thank you, uh, and you know. I don't have a present for the killer on its birthday. You've given me a gift of time, which is the greatest gift we can give each other. So thank you for giving me your time today. Mr. Wu, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to say I, I'm just a hardworking filmmaker. <laughs> you know, nothing else. Yeah. So, but I do appreciate uh, people for giving me such a great support and, uh, and love the movies. You know, that's my joy. That's my... Uh, uh, my wish, you know, the, to make a film, let everybody enjoy it. Well, whatever you do, whether it's The Killer Part 8 <laughs> <laughs> or, or Hard Boiled Part 16, I'll be there to watch it. Thank you so much, John. And, and when you're ready to make that Western, your office has my email. Just say, I need help, and I will, I will ride in and help, because that's my dream, that you get to make your Western. Oh, that would be great. That would be amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. How cool was that? I mean, how cool was that? What a good man. What a gracious man. And an office full of his posters, but also Cirque Rouge and, and French films and Italian films and, and different versions of his film posters, which is cool. Not the, the typical boilerplate uh, marketing posters, really cool, unique versions of his posters. John is a caretaker and he takes care. It's nice to have a caretaker who actually takes care, takes great care in what he's done. I'm grateful that I got to sit with him. My plan is to talk to him again when the killer turns 60 uh, and 90 and 120. So I have a whole 30-year sequence talking to John about the killer. I'll talk to John about anything uh, he calls. I'm going. Hopefully you'll come with us. I want to thank John for being here with us today on Murmur. I want to thank John's daughter, Angelis, who helped get this together. I want to thank you for being here with us today on Murmur, but you could be here with us all the time. Whoever here is, maybe I'll come to you someday. Who knows? <laughs> the website, murmurradio.com. The social handles, at MSF Murmur. Twitter, Instagram. Follow the show. If you want any time access to the show, really easy, download, subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, The Killer Turns 30, it can vote now. I cast my vote. Thank you, John. See ya.